This is episode number 132 with Managing Director with Alliance Bernstein, Adam Sansevieri. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. My name is Nick Carrier, lifestyle entrepreneur and fitness trainer. My goal is for you to gain more clarity on what the best version of yourself looks like, what the best version of yourself is capable of, and then to give you the tools, tips, and inspiration on how to make that person a reality. Today I bring you Adam Sansevieri, who is the managing director of the private client group of Alliance Bernstein. Alliance Bernstein, or AB, is a leading global investment managing and research firm. Before joining AB, Adam bounced around a lot in his career. He started off wanting to be a doctor. Then he became a professional singer and Broadway producer, turned into an entrepreneur, and ever since has had his hands on a lot of different businesses and philanthropic organizations. In this episode, Adam talks about the importance of intellectual curiosity. He talks about finding your passion, how important it is for a leader to be a good listener. He talks about some of the most important interview questions that he asks potential job candidates and so much more. But before we get into this episode, you entrepreneurs out there, you goal setters, business leaders, and basically anyone who wants to execute on their goals, you have got to hear about Chris McChesney's strategy execution workshops. Chris McChesney, author of The Four Disciplines of Execution and former guest on this show, puts on full day workshops teaching people on how to execute on their wildly important goals. The next workshop is down in Palm Beach, Florida on January 14th, and I will be attending this one myself and I cannot wait. I know it's going to be a game changer for me and my business, and I don't want you to miss out on this huge offer. By using the code BESTYOU, you can get a huge discount on your ticket. Just go to www.ompevents.com. Again, ompevents.com, and you can find the link on my website. January 14th, down in Palm Beach, Florida, get down there to learn about how you can level up your business and execute on your goals. Make sure you take a screenshot of this episode when you're listening and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at carrier underscore best you and tag Adam at A.C. Sansevieri, A-C-S-A-N-S-I-V-E-R-I and let us know your favorite part. I know Adam would love to hear some feedback and your favorite part from the interview as well. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on getting closer to the best version of yourself today with a true renaissance man, Adam Sansevieri. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I've been super fired up for today's interview for uh, a couple weeks now, and I have Adam Sansevieri with me. Adam, I really appreciate you spending the time with me today. Yeah, my pleasure, Nick. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, Adam is a managing director here uh, in Nashville of the Private Client Group Alliance, Alliance Bernstein, and um, the Private Client Group of Alliance Bernstein. And he just moved to Nashville here in January of 2019, up from New York City. Even though he was born here. Um, and lived here for just about three years, but super excited to have you here back. I know you're doing a lot of great things, so I'm super excited to talk about kind of how you got to the point where you currently are in your career, and you've done so many things, which is just like bewildering. When I was doing my research, seeing all the things that you've done in the past, I was like, I don't even know how this guy kept on like a a straight path of his career, even though it wasn't a straight path, but you know what I'm getting at. (laughs) Um, But basically, so I kind of want to start off with breaking a little bit down of your story. You went to Cornell, you played football, you did, you were on the track team, and you were a two-time Ivy League champion at pole vault, which is awesome. I don't yeah. know if I really ever met anybody who did the pole vault, so that's super cool. And then after graduation, <laughs> you spent some time as a professional singer and actor and, and Broadway producer. And yeah. basically, to my understanding, you did that for a while, saw some pretty good early on success, but you realized that that particular lifestyle 
wasn't necessarily something that you wanted to do long term. And so there came to a point where you started the company RNA Designs, which is mm-hmm. which was basically a boutique website design company. And I wanted to kind of start off with what was the trigger to realizing that this isn't what I want to do long term because the lifestyle isn't what I want to live. So I'm going to start this company. Like, what did that kind of motivation look like? Yeah, you know, I think I think the overlying theme, you said it right, it was not a straight path. And and <laughs> I, you know, now and today in the position I'm in, I, I really look, when I look at candidates that I'm hiring in business, I love seeing people that don't have straight paths. Because to me, it, it speaks to something that I hold in really high regard um, towards what, you know, I know you talk a lot about motivation, um, and that's intellectual curiosity. And I would say that's actually what guided my career path more than anything. Um, you know, you named a bunch of different aspects of it, but a p- part of what drove me to the path that I was on um, was um, really moving to New York City for something that's totally not anything that you said, which was med school. So I, I moved to New York City for med school because that's what I studied at Cornell. I always thought I'd be a doctor. Yeah. And my intellectual curiosity is what totally took me down a different path which, you know, I studied voice on the side, private lessons, my mom, you know, put me into as a kid. That's what led me to my love of the arts and going in and auditioning one day um, and getting cast as a 22 year old kid and deciding to leave going to med school to go sing professionally. And then, you know, not making the kind of money I needed to in New York to have a good quality of life and to pay student loans, that led me to starting a business. Mm. And so it was sort of out of need um, and intellectual curiosity to say, well, this is cool. This is interesting. I think I could do this to support something else. And necessity, you know, sort, sort of breeds uh, uh, innovation, if you will. And, uh, and that's what sort of led to that change. The business, you know, right place, right time, hard work, opportunity, luck, it all kind of plays together. And so we were successful enough to create a business that there was a demand for. Um, And what I learned while doing that was this whole entertainment world, because what our clients became, right, we were, as you said, a a boutique sort of design website, design company for uh, different folks in the entertainment business. What I learned was this whole world of entertainment. And so I put myself out there starting to learn what was in those industries. And soon as we had an exit in the business, I decided, well, I want to be in that world. I want to learn more there. So I started producing Broadway theater when I was 24, 25 years old. Um, again, luck, hard work, finding the right projects. We, our first couple shows were hits and I was able to build a sustainable career in the theater that then led to launching investment funds in the theater, film financing, restaurants, um, fashion, um, all the way to, again, a drive of intellectual curiosity. I decided I wanted to get further education thinking I could then parlay that and went and did a master's in economics with a focus in media management and uh, economics, um, MBA at Fordham in New York City while I was running our company. And then one thing led to the next, and I started getting recruited to firms, and Bernstein is where I ended up. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna take you back a little bit because, like you said, and as I read, you wanted to be like an orthopedic surgeon since you were like three years old. First off, I don't know. I, I don't know who, who, who wrote it or if you said that or not, but I don't know how anybody can know what they want to do at three years old. Um, but uh, you wanted to do that for a little bit. And you said you stu- you know you studied voice growing up and that sort of thing. But if you have that big of a passion to do a particular job for that long, 
how can you so confidently make that switch away from that? Like what, what gave you the confidence to be like, okay, this is definitely not what I want to do anymore after wanting to do it for so long. I want to do this. I'm going to go full throttle there. What gives you the confidence to do that? Yeah. You know, I, I think what gives you the confidence, that's a really good question because I think, you know, I think that's probably good parenting if anything, because, you know, my, my, tw- I have a twin brother and, and he and I have both always just gone 100% full steam after anything we've wanted you know, he's a great example. He's a successful TV writer. Also, he's a lawyer, um, in-house counsel for the NFL Players Association. So he, too, has done a bunch of different things. And I think that's just the love of good parenting, saying, hey, you, you can do whatever you want, and it's okay to fail. And so when I took that left-hand turn out of being a doctor after thinking that's what my path was for decades, it was solely actually because I thought maybe I'd go back to it. Um, when I went to sing, I was like, this is an incredible opportunity to perform at the highest level of an industry at such a young age. I'll defer from med school and I'll go back there. And so I thought I'd go perform for a year, maybe two, and then go back to school and get right back on track. But this was an experience that I wanted to have. And again, one thing just led to the other and the path unfolded on its own. That's cool. That's cool. So what about going into singing what about like singing and producing and uh, being an actor what about that did you love so much yeah I mean I'd say every single aspect of it and so much so that since I've moved out of the world it's become my main focus as a philanthropist and as a business person to bring arts education to folks that can't afford it folks that don't have exposure to it even if they can afford it and just to help those who see the value in it to expand upon um, incorporating it into their professional lives. Because what I know now, and I didn't know back then, of course, is the skills that arts education gives you that math and science and all these other things don't. Um, You know, the thrill of getting on stage in front of 2,000 people is the same thrill as you know, the championship game at the end of the season, either football, track, basketball, whatever sport you want to play that you get when, you know, you're having to sing that, you know, solo in front of that crowd. It's the same sort of thrill, you know? So to me, I love performance because it's, it's an adrenaline rush. Um, It's a form of self-expression and the creative side of your mind and body and spirit that, you know, performance brings somebody is, is hard to kind of find anywhere else in life. Yeah, no, I, I, that's cool. I definitely agree. I don't, I've never done acting or anything like that, but I feel the same way when I do like fitness classes and stuff. I almost feel like in a sense when I have the microphone on, I feel at home when, when people are watching me almost in a sense perform, but not, not to the same degree, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a great form of self-expression. You can send a message. You know, I look, I look at some of these instructors who are creating their own playlists and workouts and it's, you're creating some art there, you know, and, and you're affecting people's day, which that's the power of art is you are, you are making someone's day perhaps and making them mm. a better version of themselves. And that's what art does, and that's what fitness does, and when you combine them, it's pretty awesome. Mm, I like that. I haven't heard anybody voice it like that before. I think that's cool. So let's go a little bit back into kind of where we left off in terms of your <laughs> your your side to side career. Um, when you joined Alliance Bernstein back in 2010 or 2011, which year was it? Yeah, end of 10 um, is when I was hired. Okay, gotcha. And so. It was my, it's my understanding through my research that you had a lot of really early on success 
with the company and we're doing really well. What do you think was were some of the things that you were doing early on in the company that other people who were like your same age, your same role weren't doing that allowed you to get ahead? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's a combination of things. One, I mean, one is I've always been the personality that says, where's my competitive advantage, right? And when mm-hmm. I entered a, a totally different field at a very young age, the only competitive advantage I had, the only thing I could identify was my work ethic, right? I didn't have a family. I didn't have kids at home. I didn't have other things to get in my way. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to just work harder than everyone else. And, you know, I love, I, and now in my stage when I'm interviewing people, I love hearing folks who focus on their work ethic and are driven in that same way. Um, you know, I, I really focused on what I knew I was good at, which is working with people in entertainment and sports, in creative industries, entrepreneurs, uh, talking with doctors because I had that same passion. So one of the reasons I went into this industry and the reason I think I was successful very quickly in it is I knew that I could be a center of influence around the areas that I was passionate about. You know, one of the, thing, one of the things I kind of like to say, uh, say to people is don't bring your, uh, don't chase your passion, bring it with you. Yeah. And, you know, as I've transitioned different careers, I'm now in a position in an industry. And I say this to anyone who, you know, is looking for something similar is to take those myriad of passions if you do have them and try to build a business around those things. So I work with doctors, I work with actors, I work with athletes, I work with entrepreneurs, with philanthropists, et cetera. And so I just try to put myself into areas that I knew I could talk the talk and walk the walk. And I feel like that's a commonly overlooked thing in, in a lot of business. Okay. Uh, I really like that phrase. And I think I've read it somewhere too, uh, from you, the, don't chase your passion, bring it with you. So I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about that in the sense that you said like create a business in a sense around whatever your passion is. But talk to that, talk on that phrase to somebody who is in, who's young in a job, like in a, in a corporate job who is kind of like bottom of the totem pole type thing. Sure. And how can they use that phrase to level up in their career or to be the best that they can in that particular role that they're in. Sure. Well, I think, I think it depends on what your passion is, right? I mean, if you, if you have a passion for making Christmas cookies, just for a random example, I think I said this in an interview once, if you have a passion for making Christmas cookies and you're working as an accounting firm, that may be kind of hard to incorporate into the job, you know, maybe, maybe not, but here's a good example, right? If you're passionate about Christmas cookies and you work as a CPA, well, go and try to find a bakery to be a client of yours, right? And think outside the box to find ways to immerse yourself with the people who are doing and thinking the way that you think. Mm. And if you, there, there are countless ways to do that in almost any single business, but if, especially if you're in sales or externally function role where you're dealing with other folks, there are easy ways to bring, to, to immerse what you're passionate about in whatever job you're in. Um, and so again, it just depends on what your, what your passion is. But I tell folks in my, in my industry all the time, you know, do the job that you want to be in before you're in it. And that's how you'll succeed faster. And by, by finding your passions and bringing it into what you do and spending time with the people that think the way that you do is how you're going to excel. Gotcha. That's cool. So I'm going to stick kind of early on in your career type uh, in, in that arsenal. What is maybe you think one of the most important decisions that you made early on in your career, but you didn't realize the importance of it until later on? 
Ooh, that's good. Um, gosh, I, you know, I think there's a lot of trust earlier on in your career. And I would say, you know, I, I kind of already alluded to this, but the best thing that ever happened to me was doing all these different things, right? There were times where I certainly doubted myself and said, shoot, I should have went back to med school. I should have stayed on the path. I shouldn't have wasted that time. But, you know, when at some point in your career, you look back and you say, oh, that's why all that happened. And that happened to me when I, you know, for a couple years into when I was at Alliance Bernstein. And now I can look back and say every single thing that I did, everything I learned following all that intellectual curiosity led me to being able to be and do what I am today. And, you know, I, of course, didn't know that back then. And so if I was giving that advice to people, I would say, you know, try everything you can. Don't be afraid to fail. Read everything you can. Listen to as many podcasts as you can, because you never know when that sort of uh, diversification of knowledge is going to come into handy, um, helping you unfold the path that you actually want to be on. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really important because I think that that is one of the it's, – it's very popular now for people to fig, like think about what's my passion, what I am, am I passionate about. And I think that the easiest way – not the easiest way, but the best way to maybe go about seeking that is by just doing a bunch of things. So many people think yeah. that just like they're going to think about it just sitting on the couch. What's like just thinking about it's going to give them any kind of insight. But it's not. you got to go do things and then it's kind of revealed to you by your energy through when you're participating in whatever it is that you're participating in. Yeah. And I, I think people also try to put so much pressure on their identity as what they do for a living. Mm. Um, you know, and especially the younger generations, millennials and under are very focused on being entrepreneurs and trying to change the world for good, which is amazing. It's going to be what saves this planet. But there's a lot, a, a lot can be done outside of your day-to-day job. And I think that was, you know, one thing that I was always known for is always doing a million things. Right. You know, I was never a TV guy because I never had time to watch TV. I never played a video game past probably fourth grade because I never had time. I was always doing multiple sports and singing and volunteering and, you know, doing startup companies and all that good stuff. And it's the same today. So I look at, you know, the youth and colleagues and friends and I'm like, what are you doing outside of work? Because you can't put everything and your identity just to your job unless you are, you know, an entrepreneur who's running a, you know, a big successful company, then maybe that's a little more difficult. But, um, but I think people need to broaden out. People can be focused on broadening um, sort of the importance of the other things outside of work. No, I, th- I definitely think that's really important. I'm glad that you brought that up because I do think that, so many people believe that whatever their passion is that they're trying to find needs to be what they do for a job. It's like completely, it can be okay to be in a job that serves you, serves your family, puts you in a financial place to be successful and all these other things, but it's not your main thing that you just love to go to every single day. Like you have all these other things that you can enjoy um, and just not, like you said, place the importance of just the job itself. I I never thought once I would find my passion and success in finance. Right. You know, I I never as a kid dreamed I would be working for for a global financial company. But what it's allowed me to do besides work in the areas that I'm passionate about, but 
you know, to be a philanthropist, to support, support arts education, to invest in startups that are, you know, younger folks doing the things that they're dreaming about and living that dream of starting their companies. And those folks need people like us who can support them. So mm. it's, uh, there's a lot of paths to the same sort of happiness and, and success. Right. Um, so like you said, you are, and that's kind of how it led off the show, you are doing so many different things you've done in the past. You currently are doing a lot of different things. How do you kind of like very, very tactically, how do you keep focused on all the different things that you're doing? Like, do you, do you lay out a, a planner of like all the different things that you're have your foot in and kind of like have your to-do lists for each of those individual things? Or how do you just really kind of mentally and physically keep focus in all those different areas? Um, that's a good, you know, I think it's a couple different method methodologies behind a lot of it. I'm a, I'm a believer in monotasking, believe it or not. Uh, you know, I think that's a common oh, misperception yeah. of people who do a lot of things. They're like, Oh, they're such good mon- uh, multitaskers. And I would say I'm a, a master monotasker. And so when I'm doing something, it's being compartmentalized. Right. And so I think that's the key to doing a lot of things because otherwise you're not going to do anything well. You know, so when I'm, when I'm training in the morning and running or training for, you know, my Ironman races, I'm training, right? Yeah, sure. I'm thinking about a couple of things here or there, but I'm usually training and I'm actually usually listening to a podcast because again, that's time for information and intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm doing philanthropy work, I'm focused on that. The startup entrepreneur stuff, I'm focused on that. And obviously the work, you know, that I do with Alliance Bernstein takes full attention. You can't be multitasking when you're doing this kind of work. And so I would say that's the real key. As far as systems, you know, putting great people around you too is the other big advice. As you get the ability to delegate and build teams, being someone who surrounds themselves with really good people that help you keep things organized and keep tasks on hand is super important. So I see that, of course, with all the startups I work with, all the philanthropies that I work with, the management, and of course, my teams um, who are helping with clients and running a business here. It's about having good people around you. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. Do you have any like daily habits that are non-negotiable that you have to do in order to like help you do that? Because I do kind of feel like that's a skill that a lot of people have to develop to be able to block out a lot of the noise and stuff like that to be able to really focus in. So do you have different daily habits that really help you to do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do. And, and I would say the two that stand out is, you know, morning workout. That, that to me is, you know, pretty much non-negotiable just to get the body moving and get the mind woken up. I get up typically most days between 5.15 and 5.45, um, get my workout in before my day starts. And then I end my day typically with meditation before I go to sleep. And that allows me to, you know, practice training that skill, but also just shut things down. Because again, when you have so much going on, of course, you're going to be thinking about a lot of different things. So, you know, I've built those two habits gosh, over the past couple of decades, and there are things that I live by. What does meditation look like for you? I know for everybody, they can kind of define it a little bit differently. Yeah, you know, I think I'm an extremist, so uh, I think some people will laugh at this, but I think it was about eight years ago, I hired what I call my guru. I hired somebody who splits their time between New York City and India teaching meditation, because I said, if I'm going to learn to meditate, I want to do it right. And uh, to me, you know, there are so many different ways to do it. And you, like anything else, you know, there's so many things out there that maybe aren't the right way. So I was like, well, let me go to, right to an expert. And so I 
studied with someone for almost a year um, for hours a week. And to me, that meant, you know, learning a type of meditation called mantra meditation. Um, and to me, it's, you know, meditating at least 30 minutes at a time, sometimes twice a day, but at least once a day um, to uh, to train the mind, if you will. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I want to kind of segue into the Alliance Bernstein stuff and some particulars about kind of the different things that you've learned since being there. So you work with a lot of uh, with wealthy individuals, and I wanted to ask you, is there like a commonality that a lot of them have? And and it could be with maybe their personality or could just, could just be like with how they've been able to handle their money appropriately to get them to the point where they currently are to be able to work with you. So yeah. is there like a commonality in terms of them and their money management that allow them to get to the point that they're at? You know, I would say... The biggest commonality is the level of complexity that they have, right? That's why they end up working with a firm like ours. Um, but as a personality standpoint, I would say they're all uniquely uniquely driven, uniquely high-functioning people. Um, and I would say those are the type of folks that I've enjoyed working with the most over time. Now, it's not 100% a commonality, but I would say that's the top commonality. You know, from business owners to professional musicians, to NFL coaches and athletes, um, to you know, top surgeons in the world, even to folks who have founded nonprofits and were managing the endowment of the nonprofit or the 401k of a business, the sort of high functioning nature of these individuals is what's created this uh, level of wealth. And that's what ends up, I think, being the, the commonality is that we see that personality trait and the level of complexity that those people and the businesses themselves have. And that's what makes such a good working relationship. So when you say high functioning, what, do you, what exactly does that, what does that mean? Well, I think it means a bunch of different things. So, you know, if you, if you look at an organization, perhaps maybe a nonprofit, the high functioning means how driven they are to change people's lives, right? And the complexity mm. that that faces an organization like that would face to have as much impact as they possibly could to an entrepreneur who has come up with an innovative, uh, innovative idea and struggles to find enough people around them who can function at the same pace that they do to try to realize that vision or that dream um, to a CEO who's running a big business and, you know, obviously has the responsibility that that person would have um, to a surgeon or a, a, an inventor who, who is so, uh, uniquely brilliant that they perhaps struggle to communicate in a, in a regular way or to get people to keep up with them. I think those are a bunch of different examples, but that commonality of being so high functioning and complex is where I think our business really tries to succeed um, in matching that demand and that need that those unique people have. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. So, you're one of the leaders now at Alliance Bernstein, and you have to be able to create a culture within your your workforce that is trustworthy and, and highly functioning, to use your term. I, with our world, I feel like being a currently kind of a world of like low trust in, in, in certain senses of the word, how do you be able to, what are some things that you do as a leader to make sure that the culture is a high trust culture and that it is very communicative among everybody? I think, the, I mean, there's a bunch of different answers to that question, but I would say the most important one is listening. 
Honestly, I think it's that simple. You, uh, you as a leader, listen. Absolutely. Yeah, because at the end of the day, every single person's different, and every single person cares differently about different aspects of their life. Right there, there is the there is the workhorse in the group, right? Who who proves themselves through their work ethic and putting the business before themselves. Mm-hmm. Then there's the person who cares about their flexibility, their time off their personal life way more than they care about their job. Each of those people are equally important to a business functioning. So you have to be able to listen as a leader to what is important to those individuals and to their own advancements, not only in their career, but their personal life. And by doing so, you're able to motivate them differently, but motivate them equally to get the job done in the way that you want it to be done to realize the vision of the business. So there's a bunch of other things I could probably throw right. in there, but I'd say that's the big takeaway. No, I think that's I think that's really key. Uh, I actually had a an NFL a former NFL quarterback on here, and he said kind of the moment that he started becoming a better quarterback is when he realized that he needed to have the types of conversations with the other players on his teams about kind of what the, what they wanted their career to look like. Like he wanted once he became more of like a servant leader, realizing like what everybody else's goals were. That's when he could motivate them in different ways and stuff like that. And I think that's super key. So what are like the different kinds of conversations and different questions that you have with people underneath you that allow you to get to know them better so that you can motivate them in the proper individualistic way? Well, you, I would say the, the best kind of conversation that you can have that proves that you are doing this right is when an employee comes to you and says, I, I think I want to take my career in a different direction. Will you help me leave? And that's a level of trust. And, and that's an opportunity for you too, right? Because that's an opportunity to say, well, okay, this isn't necessarily good for me. This isn't necessarily good for the business, but you know, our lives as human beings is bigger than again, what we do every single day. And if I can help this human being find their purpose and move on, that's a way bigger reward than having that person be in a position that, that, that they're unhappy with. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really rewarding conversation as, as maybe on the surface, it doesn't seem so. And so, you know, the conversations that lead to that are, you know, somewhat simple, I'd say, but they're, they're along the lines of putting in the time with the people, regardless of the place that they are in the organization, having coffees, having meetings, introducing them to things that they may not otherwise get introduced to and meetings that maybe be above their pay grade just so they get that exposure. So they see that you're invested in them and that, again, you're asking the questions of what is important to you as a person, whether they want to talk about work or something else. Right, right. So just just kind of stay on the lines of leadership and hiring people. I'm going to go into a little bit of hiring people. What are the – like you said, you – you like running across people who are applying and stuff who have multifaceted backgrounds and kind of go all over the place and kind of chase down different passions and stuff like that and are intellectually curious. When you're interviewing somebody, what are the types of either things that you're looking for or the questions that you ask to trigger something in you that's saying like, this is the right person? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you probably the most cliche question I ask is if you if you were a commercial brand, what brand would you be? Okay. Right. And I think that's interesting because first it catches people off guard. Yeah. And that's always a great thing to see. But second, if someone's, you know, starts talking about, 
you know, Tesla and innovation versus Johnson and Johnson and trust, which is not a good example at this current moment, but uh, uh, it's very telling to see what characteristics and personalities, um, values that people find important to them. Huh. You know, I, I, I'll give you two, two great examples of people I recently hired where one finished, uh, graduated with his master's in classical piano from Juilliard, who also started and ran their own nonprofit successfully for a number of years for quite a long period of time, raising money for other people. And so I looked at that and I said, okay, this person doesn't have, you know, traditional financial experience, but he has this incredible ability to connect with humans on things that matter, right? And that to me signs signals that that person can make money meaningful to a client and, and help people translate their own goals and vision. And then also to have the intellectual ability to have a master's in classical piano from the top, one of the top schools in that, in that field says to me something really more than what does maybe an MBA student who's, got, who's worked in finance and private equity and just done the traditional path. Um, another guy I hired actually here in Nashville was a top music manager and a very successful entrepreneur. So again, success in multiple realms, but the characteristics and personalities that I saw that person used in his already successful life were easily translatable to what I'm trying to solicit out of our folks here. So I think it's, it's knowing what you want, knowing how to get there and looking for people that have those skills perhaps in a different way that will differentiate them from the competition and endear them to the type of folks you're looking to work with. Okay, so if somebody has success in multiple areas, right, and they bounce... I don't know if bounce around is the right term I want to use, but I'm going to use it for this particular thing, but bounce around to a, a number of different things. How do you see in that person that this isn't just going to be another stop for them, that this is going to be yeah. more of like they will be invested into something this is they want to like continue to do? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I think we, we put a lot of safeguards in place to make sure that doesn't happen, right. which Part of that is almost a six-month interview process with us. Jeez. You know, it's 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 not easy, and you meet you know twelve to fifteen people often through that process. So there's a lot of uh, uh, conversations that go on that can elicit out that sort of instability if it's there. Through you know, rather than focus on you know the, the negative, which I think comes out quite easily, we focus on the positive of the role that we're looking to fill. And perhaps, you know, for the roles we're talking about in these examples, it's someone that's incredibly entrepreneurial. It's someone who's very self-driven, who has juggled a million things at once in their past lives, who's driven by success and interactions with other people. And so when I see someone who maybe has bounced around or done many things at once, I see that as a positive and when they see the opportunity of the type of career that you can have with our industry and in our business, the same way that I did, that sort of hones that frenetic energy mm. and gives them the power to say, oh, well, I've, I, I, I've been frenetic. Now I can channel it somewhere in something that's going to be very successful, lucrative and, uh, and helping those around them. That's really cool. Well, there's a ton of things I want to get into, but just making sure gets you out of here on time. I'm going to be down to the last two questions. And the second to last question, I think that getting closer um, to the best version of yourself, a really important part of that is being able to kind of like visualize what the best version of yourself looks like and then finding a way to make that person a reality. That's my goal of this podcast is 
for me myself selfishly selfishly to gain more clarity on what that person looks like and then make him a reality and that's my goal for everybody who listens um so i want i want you to picture the best version of yourself down the road he's got all the skills you ever want to have he's got all the knowledge that you ever want to have what is either a skill or a piece of knowledge that best version of adam has or possesses that you don't currently have hmm I would say another language skill. Hmm. That's, uh, I took six years of Latin growing up thinking I wanted to be a doctor. And if I could go back and one of my goals moving forward is perhaps learning Mandarin, French, Spanish, something that gives me the ability to be an even more effective communicator um, with demographics that I do not currently have the ability to really resonate with. So I wow. would say that, that would be the number one. That's crazy. To be honest, I had I've never I people always say like set goals and to learning a new language but for me I had never had that motivation until you just said it because it makes it makes so much sense to be able to you're missing a whole group of people that you're not able to learn from or hear their side of things un, until you know their language. Yeah, that's now that's like business. a new goal. And if, if you look, if you're running a podcast to interview folks, I mean, if you're running a business to sell to a different consumer or work with a different type of uh, employee, that, you know, communication is what our society is all about. So wow. I would say you can't have enough of it. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to make sure I acknowledge you real quick, because I think that at a young, at the young age that you were to bounce around for, from so many different things and not necessarily have that straight line path, I think for a lot of people that's tough psychologically because a lot of people want that security of like where my money's going to where my money's going to come from and how I'm going to get to the point where I want to be at and for you to just kind of stay on the the path of finding a passion and getting a little bit closer and closer to what that particular thing is throughout just trial and error I think that's really cool and want to make sure I acknowledge you for that ability to do that I appreciate that yeah well so where can people uh learn more about you and learn more about alliance bernstein and, and all that kind of stuff where it support you as much as possible no thanks um look i i think you know we have a lot of information out there we publish a ton of content so checking out uh bernstein.com we publish blogs and a lot of research content that's what we really pride ourselves on is using knowledge better um you know i'm on social media and all that good stuff and uh out in the community in Nashville, New York City, and LA. So, you know, always feel free to reach out um, in that way through social media and, awesome. uh, and look us up online if you're interested in learning more about some of the stuff we're doing. Awesome. Well, good deal. Well, so the last question that I always ask everybody is, as I, as I kind of mentioned to you earlier, I think that becoming the best version of yourself, of yourself is a constant journey. I also believe it's a unique journey. I think that the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different from the way that you become the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask you is we, we pictured that guy earlier, the best version of Adam Sansevieri. What are three things that you can do to get closer to that best version of yourself? All right. Um, I would say... I, I started something this year that I think has made a nice difference and I'm going to continue doing, and that's a book per month. Um, you know, I started read a book a month. Well, yeah, 12 book, 12 book, 12 month, 12 book challenge. Um, I did it this year. It was an awesome experience. Uh, 2020, I'm doing 12 book, 12 months of biographies. And so I think that's a, that's, that's a great one. Um, I would say number two is, you know, make time to give time. Um, that's something that I've always lived by. And I think it's huh. super important for success and for your own spirit. Um, so make sure you're doing that. Um, 
And then if, you know, I'm also a final, finally, I would say meditation, you know, you got to control your own mind. We're our, our own biggest obstacle, our own biggest advocates. And to make sure you're focusing on the ladder, you got to control your own doubts about yourself. So, uh, so meditation. Gotcha. Well, real quick, just because you brought it up, what was your favorite book of 2019 if you did 12? Ooh, that's tough because there were some really good ones. I'd probably have to go either Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, you know, uh, founder of Nike, obviously, or uh, Talking to Strangers uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. So both hit on a lot of the topics that you and I just talked about and uh, would highly recommend them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. That's very cool. I love those three things. Well, Adam, I really appreciate your time today. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Adam. I loved the phrase intellectual curiosity that it kept bringing up and I love how he constantly preached the importance of it. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go leave it a quick review on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Make sure you share it with a friend who could get something out of the knowledge and inspiration that Adam shared today. All it could take is one thing from this episode for you, your friend or family member to turn their life around or to level up. Remember, if you're looking for your passion, you're not going to find it by just sitting on the couch. You've got to go out and try things. You've got to go out and do things. You've got to test the waters and see what lights you up. Remember, to be a great leader or really just to be a better human, be sure to listen to others. Hear what others' goals are. Hear what they want out of their job, what they're trying to learn, what their passion is, and so much more. That way you have more perspective on why they do some of the things that they do and you're able to support them in the best way that you know how. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought by sending me a DM on Instagram at carrier underscore best you. Rate and review the show. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet already. Share it with a friend and help grow this great community. But for now, it's time. Take one thing that Adam talked about today and take action on it. Maybe it's reading one of his favorite books. Maybe it's deciding to work on becoming a better listener. Maybe it's trying something you've never done before. But whatever it is, take action. Go. It's 2020. It's time to branch out. It's time to do something out of the box so that you can work on discovering your best self and getting closer and closer to your best you. You.